Thank you for joining us at The Statement Show with guest Jim Harold. If you'd like to help support the show, go to audibletrial.com forward slash The Statement. Pick from over 180,000 titles and get a free audiobook today. That's right, free. Go to our website at www.thestatementshow.com and look at some of our past guests. Follow us on Twitter at Statement Show, iTunes, The Statement, and check out our YouTube channel, The Statement Show. And now, on to the show with Jim Harold. I'm Jim Harold from the Paranormal Podcast, but there's nothing to be afraid of because you're listening to The Statement Show with Zach and Terry. From the Night Shift Crew Studios in the D.C. metro area, this is The Statement Show. The lights are on. Hi, this is Stanton Friedman, uh, the original civilian investigator of the Roswell incident, and you're listening to me on the Statement Show with Zach and Terry. Hey guys, it's Ivonica Gabba of Macabre Theater, and you're listening to Terry and Zach on the Statement Show. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Kyle Klessinger from 30 West Entertainment, and you're listening to the Statement Show with Zach and Terry. Hey, this is Corpsey. I am the publisher, editor-in-chief of Girls and Corpses Magazine, and I am on the phone with Terry and Zach from the Statement Show, Corpses, woo! <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of The Statement Show. I'm Terry James. And I'm Zach Chahey, and we're the podcast that fits in no category. Today, we have the host of one of the most popular paranormal podcasts available. With subjects like Bigfoot, ghosts, and UFOs, the paranormal podcast has over 16 million downloads and counting. Jim Harold has made quite a name for himself in the podcast industry, as well as being the author of the Campfire series of books. We welcome Mr. Jim Harold to The Statement Show. Hey, guys. It's good to be here. I really appreciate you coming on the show, Mr. Harold. Oh, first of all, don't call me Mr. That's <laughs> call, call me Jim. But yeah, it's great to be here. It's always good to connect with other podcasters and get to connect with new audiences because uh, even if you've been moderately successful in podcasting, that means almost nobody's heard of you. No. <laughs> as much as I love podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's start with uh, how you got into podcasting. Well, uh, I had uh, gone to school, and I think I'm well, quite a bit older than you guys. I'm in my mid-40s. I'd gone to school for broadcasting, and uh, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to be behind the mic in front of the camera, the whole deal. And then I got out of school uh, in the... Uh, early to mid nineties and um, ended up working on the business side of media and did that for about 12 years. And I looked up and it was 2005 and I had a wife and two kids. I thought, Oh, that broadcasting dream, that's kind of out the window. And uh, even though I'd worked in the media and enjoyed what I did, it wasn't what I really wanted to do. So anyhow, uh, I heard about this thing called podcasting. There are people, uh, it was a very infancy days. When I first heard of it was before iTunes even had podcasts. It's when you had to have this weird kludgy program called Juice and you'd have like a MP3 player like a brick and it was real kludgy. But I heard people like Adam Curry of uh, MTV fame and Leo Laporte, uh, who I had followed on television, and found out he had a radio show that was also online, then found out he had this thing called podcasts. And I said, boy, that would be cool to do that. But I don't think I could live up to, you know, real professionals like that. You know, guys have been broadcasting for 20 years, uh, respectively, each. Uh, but then I started to hear some of the homegrown ones. And I'm like, well, I might not be able to do what Adam and Leo do, but I can do that. And I started to think, well, what am I going to podcast on? I said, it's got to be something, not only just for the sake of doing this. And at that time, it was a hobby. Now it's my job. But uh, not just for the sake of broadcasting, for the sake of broadcasting. It's got to be something I'm really interested in. I couldn't really add anything to politics, sports, music. And I thought, you know, I don't think there's a lot in podcasting yet on the paranormal. And, you know, I'm not the brightest uh, knife in the drawer. And I, But I was sitting there and I'm like, well, I'm going to start a podcast on the paranormal. What could I call it? Now, it's about the paranormal and it's a podcast. <laughs> well, a natural name would be Paranormal Co Podcast, but I'm sure that somebody's got that. So I ran over, there was a site at the time, and I, I don't even know if it's still up, but, but that was the place for podcasters at that time. It was very small. There were like maybe a hundred podcasters or something. I don't know. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, it was called po- Podcast Alley. And I looked up and there were about 20 podcasts on the paranormal. And I thought, oh, my God, how am I going to compete with all of these? And But there wasn't one called the Paranormal Podcast. So I named it the Paranormal Podcast. And I think in some ways that's more of a key to my uh, moderate success has been the fact that, uh, you know, if you Google it uh, right now, I'm number like one and two. Hmm. And just through producing, you know, since 2005, have built a little bit of a following and been able to do this full time. So I feel very blessed and very thankful to my audience. I'm blessed to be able to talk to you right now. And I feel like in my eyes, a very successful podcaster and Mm -hmm. I love the paranormal as well, which is why I listen to your podcast. It's kind of like listening to coast to coast. Yeah. I mean, I used to listen to that on the radio all the time and then it changed channels. I couldn't catch it anymore. Um, And of course they have a website you can go and download them and, and so I, I went on and started because I also listen to Leo Laporte and his whole tech. Um, yep. And because I'm a techie and I listen to a lot of technology podcasts. I listen to comedy. So I listen to Adam Carolla. And then when I listen to at paranormal podcasts, it would be yours. Because when I look through the paranormal podcasting, I didn't see very much there that really like everything I would listen to didn't sound very professional or just, sound, you know, you're the first person I listen to that kind of gives me hear what I would hear on the radio from like the coast to coast and with Art Bell. And you just have that very commanding voice. And oh, thank you. People really pick up on that. And I think that's why you're so successful. And in my opinion, you're only getting started. I've listened to stuff where you've talked about the afterlife and, and Bigfoot, and you really have a way of capturing people's uh, attention. Well, thank you. Well, the thing is, it really, you know, I, I sometimes I worry that people think, well, he just picked the paranormal because it's been hot the, for the last decade on cable TV and those kind of things. But that's not true. Uh, when I was a kid, like a real little kid in the 70s, like six, seven years old, really what got me started in the whole thing, there was this old series and if you look at it now it looks a little campy a little dated in search of with leonard nimoy absolutely Mm -hmm. and i started watching that and i never missed it and then as i grew older every time i would go in a bookstore every time i would go in a library i would gravitate towards that paranormal section and uh anybody of similar age you know you would go in a place and there would be one shelf (laughs) that had books Mm -hmm. And that would be it. I remember uh, Time Life had a series of books that you could buy about the supernatural. And uh, they used to have this kind of uh, uh, campy commercial with this woman fortune teller with a crystal ball. But I always uh, was interested in that. It always fascinated me. So it's really kind of cool because what I get to do now, there's three things that I really enjoy. I do enjoy technology. Sometimes it drives me nuts, but I do enjoy it. Um, I enjoy broadcasting, which this essentially is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am very interested in the paranormal, so I couldn't ask for a much better job than what, what I have today. Is there one subject over another that you like to, to pick through? or? Well, I like to, uh, you know, when I talk about the paranormal, I mean, you know, I, I cast kind of the big tent. I include everything from UFO to Bigfoot to life after death to ghosts, the whole thing. So a lot of times I think these days, because of the TV shows, when you say paranormal, people automatically think you're talking about uh, talking about uh, ghosts and ghosts only. So so folks know I'm interested in all this stuff. But really, for me, the biggest question is life after death. You know, what happens after we die? I tend to think that we live on in some form. It would seem kind of useless if we didn't. You know, it'd be kind of depressing. Yeah, uh, But I think that there have been enough things that have happened where people have gotten after-death communications, the kind of things with near-death experiences, um, some interesting things there. You know, even, even though it doesn't really kind of match up with my uh, religious faith, um, reincarnation, there's some tantalizing things there when you see these kids who, uh, you know, are able to recount things they should not be able to recount. Um, so really, to me, I think that's the greatest mystery that there is out there. What happens after we die? Is it nothing? Is it just one big dirt nap? Or <laughs> or, or do we live on in some form or fashion? And, uh, you know, I don't know that we'll ever be able to get the answers to that question. Um, but it would be it's interesting to ask them at least ask the question. Well, I think we'll all get to answer that question eventually because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Right. Um, but that, yeah, uh, just one more thing on that, and sure. I'm sorry to interrupt. No. One thing I say, and the part of the reason it interrupts, uh, not interrupts, part of the reason it fascinates me 
is that, you know, we're not all going to see UFOs. We're not all going to see Bigfoot. Uh, but we're all going to die, right? So it's really the topic that impacts everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I had a experience. No, I haven't had really any ghostly experiences that I can really, I had one little incident when I was a kid. So obviously that always interested me. Uh, I've always been a fan of Gettysburg and we're not too far from there. So I go there all the time and do the ghost tours and, but sure. the afterlife has always sparked an interest in me, especially since when my dad passed away. And I had a dream that he came to me and said that everything would be okay. And I would like to think that it felt real and it was about only 10 minutes long, but it felt like I was in the room with him. And to me, uh, I've had people tell me, well, maybe it was just your subconscious doing what it needed to do to help you heal. But I would like to think that that's not true. I'd like to think that it really happened. So, well, that, I think that works on two levels. One is, is that if, if you're right and it was more than just a dream, boy, isn't that something? Secondly, if it was just a dream, but it comforted you, mm-hmm. I mean, how awesome is that? So I, I think it works on a couple of different levels. I, I would, if you don't mind, I'd like to tell you a story about a dream, uh, that was on my campfire show just this last week and is one of my all time favorites. Would you mind if I tell that story? No, please do. Ahead. Well, first of all, say, I have another show, which is actually kind of outstripping the paranormal podcast in popularity these days. It's called Campfire. And that's where people, regular people call in with their stories of the supernatural, mainly ghost stories. But we get everything from shadow people to premonitions, doppelgangers, to UFO sightings. And the, the book series, the four books that you mentioned, those are actually those stories are taken from that podcast. So that's something else people may want to check out. But anyway, the first caller on my show this last week had one of my all-time favorite my campfire stories, and I've been doing that show almost seven years now. That was my second podcast I started. And uh, this was guy's name was Dave, and he was down in Louisiana. And he tells a story uh, when he, he was born in the late 50s. And when he was a very small baby, um, his mother had a dream. Now, as a baby, he was very mischievous. He would get out of his crib. He would crawl around the house. They'd find him in another part of the house asleep. So you kind of have to know that to set up the story. Mm-hmm. So this one night, the mom gets up, and, and David, little David, is just like a, a small baby just able to crawl. And she wakes up, and there's this man uh, at the foot of her bre- bed. Now, the odd thing is that the man has long blonde hair. Now, if you know anything about the 1950s, men did not go around with long blonde hair. This man shakes her bed. She wakes up and he says, hi, I'm David, your son. I'm 30 years old right now. But if you don't go in the bathroom and stop me from getting, you've got to go check on me in the bathroom or I won't make it to 30. So she runs out of her room in this dream that she had, right? But it actually, it's not a dream because David, the baby, is in the bathroom taking her thyroid medication, and he did end up taking some of it. They took him to the hospital. They were able to pump his stomach or whatever, and he was saved. Okay. So that now that's weird. That's yeah. kind of weird, right? Yeah. Right. It gets weirder. So anyway, when David has grown up as an adult, he's uh, 30, about 30 years old, and he has a dream. And in this dream, he's an adult and he's riding on one of these old radio flyer bicycles through his neighborhood, his old neighborhood that he grew up in when he was a small child. Mm-hmm. And he comes to his house and he's like, oh, I'm thirsty. I'm going to go get a drink. So he walks in the house and he gets a glass and he goes to the kitchen faucet. Kitchen faucet doesn't work. So he says, oh, I'll go in the bathroom. He goes in the bathroom and he almost trips over a small baby who is into some medication. He it instantaneously clicks with him in this dream what's happening. He walks to his mother's bedroom. He shakes the bed. He said, Mom, Mom, it's Dave. You've got to get up and check on me. I'm 30 years old. Now, as a grown man, as you see me, but if you don't go in the bathroom, you've got to check on me. There's something wrong here. Dave who identified himself as Dave was never called Dave, Dave as a baby. He was called David. Mm-hmm. And as a 30 year old, he really did have long blonde hair. So there were two dreams, his mother's dream 
And then he had the subsequent dream where he was the adult acting it out. Now, what he did say, which is incredibly chilling to me, he did say, look, the second dream could have been the fact that the story was always told in my family and I just dreamed it out. But that first, <laughs> the first dream certainly wasn't the, the one that I'm on. I thought that was one of the most unique campfire stories I've ever heard. And that one gave me goosebumps. Now, how do you get contributors for these stories? Do they email you or? Um... I have a form on my website and mm -hmm. folks can go and sign up. And in fact, if anybody listening wants to check it out, obviously, I love talking to podcast audiences because I don't have to explain what a podcast is or how to get it. <laughs> <laughs> you can find the Paranormal Podcast or Campfire on iTunes and at jimherald.com, J-I-M-H-A-R-O-L-D.com. Mm -hmm. And then if you would like to share your story on the show, uh, you can go to jimherald.com slash campfire, submit your story, and there are times to sign up, and then I just call the folks at those times, and we get together and record their stories. That's amazing. I mean, why do you think people are so interested in the paranormal? I mean, obviously something like that particular ghost story that you just told, that's amazing. You know, I mean, you hear those type stories and you're like, that is absolutely fantastic. But what do you think makes people click with, say, like Bigfoot aliens or Loch Ness Monster or whatever, you know, whatever you think? Why do you think people are so just drawn to the paranormal like that? Well, I think that in general, most people, you know, I if I talk to someone who's a dyed-in-the-wool skeptic, and it's okay, it's all right to be skeptic, and sometimes I'm skeptical. But one thing that most of the time when I talk to them, they'll say, I don't believe in that stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, there was this one time, <laughs> and that's the thing of it. I think everybody who's listening to this either has personally had an experience that made them think, hmm, what was going on there? Or, like Zach mentioned, or, or they know someone that they trust, like a family member, a close family member, or grandma, or somebody like that, who has told them a story that happened to them. Absolutely. So it's it's a it's a universal subject. So there is a universal interest. Now, certain like subgenres, like uh, cryptids, like Bigfoot or Nessie or things, you know, I, I that that's one honestly like bigfoot i'm probably more skeptical about that than anything right. else right maybe yeah, uh, me too uh, me yeah, too but i, I yeah. still but there's still a piece of me that wants to believe yeah me too and, and it, it's like something that i don't believe it's probable but i believe it's possible uh for example with bigfoot so i mean i just think that they're interesting and because of the media and so forth but it's funny how some of this paranormal stuff and i just I was talking to somebody on another show the other day who was interviewing me about this, and I just came to a conclusion, and it, it, it's taken me years to get to this conclusion. It's okay in the mainstream if we talk about the paranormal as entertainment, mm -hmm. or we talk about it as, ha-ha, isn't that funny? And I think we've all seen the, the local news where they'll go out where there's a UFO sighting, and they'll kind of have the anchor... Well, out in Parma, there was a sighting today of a supposed UFO. Sure. Fred, tell us if the aliens are about to land. <laughs> well, John, you know, and then, you know, the chuckle, chuckle, ha, ha. It's right. okay to talk about this stuff as long as we're talking about entertainment or we're talking about it as being funny. The minute we start saying to the mainstream, oh, this stuff, there, there's really something to this stuff. Then they start to look at you kind of funny. And I think that's where I hope it's acceptable to talk about it, but I think mainly it's acceptable to talk about it as a form of entertainment. I'd love to be able to talk about it in a wider perspective as, as something that might really be going on. That's uh... Yeah, I mean, like, like ghost adventures and finding Bigfoot and things like that. You know, obviously, ghost adventures has brought these things into the limelight. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Right, they sure. brought it front and center. Do you look at them as more campy or do you look at them as bringing solid evidence to the table? How do you, how do you see ghost? Well, adventures? first of all, I want to say something about the people who actually do the shows, the, the, the people you see on camera. Sure. I have no doubt that many of them are very sincere mm -hmm. and want to have a real interest in this stuff and are really interested in quote, finding the truth. Uh, on the other hand, I think the people behind the scenes that, um, produce this stuff, uh, the production companies out in Hollywood, they probably, the people there have no real interest in the subject matter. They just know that this is hot 
So let's go out and cast our, uh, you know, uh, uh, four or five person team. We've got the, the two guys. You've got the one techie. You've got the one skeptic. And then you've got a couple of women, both probably very good looking. <laughs> and I mean, it's just kind of like a, <laughs> yeah, central, central casting. And I think that they get people who, you know, want to be on TV, which I don't blame them. I think that they may be things that happened or shaped in a way that may not represent what's really happening. You know what I'm saying? I'm I not do. saying that it's being falsified, but for example, let's say somebody drops a, drops a piece of equipment. And somebody turns around and says, what was that? And then they edit it in such a way to make it, what was that? You know, right, right. Uh, you know, and it's not the people actually that you see on screen. It's the people behind the scenes trying to make it more sensational. That's my sense of it. I mean, I've actually been approached by a few TV people. And then once we have a conversation and I talk about how seriously I take this and I'm interested in, you know, doing a more serious treatment of it. What I would love to do is basically an updated version of In Search of what Leonard Nimoy did. Sure. Uh, and, and, or if you remember the old unsolved mysteries, that's oh, kind of more my thing. I, love uh, I would love to do something like that. Yeah. I mean, those I guys are impossible to fill the shoes of, but I'd like to do Jim Harold's version of that. But well, you have that, like I said before, you have that voice and that's what I remember. And by the way, I, I remember you saying you were in your mid forties. I am also in my mid forties. So oh, you sound, yes, you, you sound much, much younger. Than yeah. That. So <laughs> when you say in search of when I think of TV programming and things that first got me into it in search of, uh, Leonard Nimoy, I know they've had newer versions of it, but to me, that will always be the one that sticks oh, yeah. in my mind. And yeah. Those I'm actually, stories. Uh, yeah. I'm looking at, the, I'm actually looking at the DVD set. I have it, uh, here on my, my shelf, you know, it's very, uh, by the way, if you love in search of, go look on Amazon. I think it's like 50 bucks. It's, it's not bad at all. Wow. But, uh, I yeah. didn't even know that they were available on DVD. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just a couple of years ago. And, uh, it's great. I, uh, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. Actually, it's down to 4199 and I don't even get paid for this. <laughs> you have an Amazon <laughs> link on your website? Uh, hey, you could go through my links and search for in search of. There you go. There okay. you go. See, so go to Jim Harold's <laughs> website and, and and then buy Dream is on help him out because I want to exactly. see his podcast continue. Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping so. Yeah, I love I love like I said I love it's just something about you know if I can't sleep late at night I'll I'll pop one of your podcasts on and it's and not I because you like to sleep. yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> I, I don't want it to sound like it but it's kind of one of those Halloween night kind of things it gives you that that secure feeling when you're listening to that story just like your campfire stories it makes you feel like you're listening to a story and you've you really put your 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 work into it and it comes off as a very professional show and that's why i like it and it just ma- it reminds me as though i'm listening to in search of off of tv well that's a high that's a high compliment Thank and you. i was a very i was i was a big fan of uh all those shows i loved the x-files i loved uh kolchak the night stalker if you i don't know if you oh that's familiar. a great oh absolutely darren mcgavin and most people know him as the dad from uh, a christmas story yeah exactly <laughs> and we and by the way we just interviewed scott farkas uh uh, yeah, Zach Scott Ward. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Zach Ward, yeah. So, well, actually, I'm from Cleveland. Oh, wow. Which is where, um, uh, uh, where they shot the downtown scenes at the beginning when they are in the, um, where there's the storefront and he sings the, the right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was all there. And the exteriors for the house were shot in Cleveland. The rest of it was shot on a soundstage, I think in Canada or something. But, uh, those two parts, and actually somebody bought the house where the exteriors were shot, where you see the leg lamp mm-hmm. here right. in Cleveland and restored it. And now you can go on tours of it. Shame, shame of it is, as many times when you live in a town with something like that, I've never been to it, but I love that movie. That's probably my all time favorite Christmas music movie. I that agree. Has, has nothing to do with the paranormal, but I just, thought <laughs> it. well, no, but we're interviewing you, not just, I mean, the paranormal obviously is what my take on everything is and i love the paranormal subject but every i was listening to your podcast this morning and uh at the end of it you said you have a uh a new podcast for classic tv yeah it, it's kind of new i started it last year it's called tv you grew up with mm-hmm. and you know i thought it, it's just nice to do something uh different mm-hmm. so i said well what do i love i love classic tv and, um, what I've tried to do where I can is get a hold of people that were actually on classic TV and interview them and where people maybe have passed so, f- uh, or so forth, get a hold of people who, um, who have done books on it and that kind of thing. And I've been so lucky. I mean, I've had, um, 
Don Wells, who played uh, uh, who played uh, Marianne on Gilligan's Island. Mm-hmm. I had Don Most, who played Ralph Mouth oh, wow. <laughs> on Happy Days. Cindy Williams, who played Shirley Feeney on Laverne and Shirley. Allison Angram from uh, oh, Little House. Uh, yeah, Little House. Then I had uh, uh, Judy Norton uh, from the Waltons, who played Mary Ellen. And I told her, I said, I won't mention any names, but there was a young man, a little boy in the 70s, who had a very big crush on Mary Ellen. But I won't say who we're talking about. <laughs> and Bruce Weitz, who was uh, Belker on Hill Street Blues. Richard Hatch from Battlestar Galactica. Uh, and, and just really did a neat episode. Unfortunately, not able to talk to the principals. This would get into the paranormal mm-hmm. uh, about the Andy Griffith show, uh, about Andy Griffith and Don Knotts. But there's a great book out now about their relationship and their work together and interviewed the, the guy who uh, wrote that book, who has actually won a Pulitzer Prize for the Washington Post. Wow. So <laughs> well, that was a fun show to do. So that I really love that show. I enjoyed it. I want to try to ramp that up this year. Well, that the, the little kid from Andy Griffith show, I, I think he's doing something now. You might be able to get a hold yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah, I heard of him. Uh, <laughs> Howard, Howard, yeah, Howard Clint, Clint, yeah, yeah, Clint Howard. Yeah, yeah, yeah Clint, of course. <laughs> it's, yeah, uh, you could get him, no problem. <laughs> I'm sure. So... Uh, yeah, the classic TV thing is definitely, uh, is that something free for people to download? Yeah, too? that's absolutely free. The way my podcasts work are the, the paranormal podcast and campfire are free the most recent 90 days. And anybody who's never heard my shows or heard of me, go listen to all that free stuff. Don't even think about the extra stuff I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have the, as I said, I have this program here. TV grew up with all of that's free. Then in addition, if somebody's a super fan and they listen, they're like, I really like this. Then I do have a premium level, uh, but don't even worry about that at the beginning. Just listen to all the free stuff you can't really. There's a lot of content. You never have to pay for anything. If you decide at some point you really enjoy the shows and want to check that out too, there's all the details over at my site. Now, as far as with the classic TV, what's considered classic to you? I mean, I got to figure out how old I am here. So what are you looking at? Like <laughs> beyond. I really like the stuff. Or... I, I almost like the stuff that was almost classic when I was a kid. I like the 60s and 70s. Stuff. Oh, OK. Uh-huh. Uh, but I will do some 80s. I mean, Dallas was great. I got to uh, I don't know if I mentioned Linda Gray, who played Sue Ellen on Dallas. Oh, that's a nice. Uh, yeah. yeah, she was awesome. She's a, a great lady. Um and so I think up through the 80s, but I've, I've been thinking about it. Maybe I've got to get that into the 90s now, believe it or not. I mean, we're talking about, yeah. yeah we, <laughs> I don't have, we don't have a lot of the, I mean, to us, what's classic is 60s and 70s. But to right. kids today, it's like the 80s. I'm like, the 80s? <laughs> but yeah. uh, for me, it's like, uh, you know, when I remember when I was on Netflix a few years ago, when I saw the Adam 12 series on there, it brought back so many memories just going through that series. I binge watched Adam 12. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's where I think a lot of people are, are kind of refamiliarizing themselves with with classic TV. Is, yeah, it is Netflix. a great resource, yeah. isn't it? I mean, I love it, and uh, I love the the. And I mean, I think podcasting kind of plays into this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we were, you know, if you're my age and in, in your forties, when we first were growing up. I mean, in my area, we didn't even have cable. We had. The three networks, not the four networks, a couple independents and PBS. Mm-hmm. And you basically watched what was on. I mean, when I was a little kid, you didn't know VCRs or anything. And uh, I'm really enjoying this idea of consuming content where you want, when you want, and how you want. And whether that's uh, binge watching a TV show or downloading podcasts and listening to those on the way back and forth to work. Uh, I think it's just a great way to kind of pick and choose your media and really kind of program your own life. You know, we've always all these years have had to have a radio program or programming what we listen to or a TV program or programming what we listen to. And coming from someone who worked in traditional radio behind the scenes, I kind of know the business of that. And I think that business is in for a world of hurt. Because on the music side, you have things like Spotify and Apple Music and Pandora. Why do I really need to listen to radio, local radio for music, especially when the program directors are telling the DJs not to talk? And I know that for a fact because (laughs) when people meters came in our market here in Cleveland, I know that DJs were told to talk less. So if you're taking away the local personalities, why am I going to listen to local radio for music? And then for talk, I mean, podcasts are great. 
I mean, you and, and you can drill down on subjects, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's classic TV or whether it's the paranormal or whether it's business or whether it's marketing or whether it's tech. I, I mean, I think we're just living a very rich kind of age. It's like a second golden age of television and a second golden age of audio, too. It's the Wild West right now, too. Uh, now it's it's kind of the new frontier. Uh, anybody can do it as yep. long as they put their mind to it and want to do something that sounds good. And, and that's pretty much where I think the industry is going. And that was one of the questions I was going to ask you is, you know, where do you see the podcast industry going? Where do you see yourself fitting into that? Uh, do you see yourself becoming a network down the road and maybe having other people under you? you know? I've thought about it. I mean, I've thought about trying to do kind of what Leo Laporte does mm-hmm. for the paranormal. But the thing is, is that that takes money and all that stuff, which I don't necessarily have right now. <laughs> well, uh, you have kids, so we, yeah. <laughs> um, but to be honest, I would love to do something like that, and I think there would be a market for it. I think that, you know, the, the independent producers, I think it's good to get in as soon as you can because bigger companies are noticing now. And if you look at the charts and the companies I'm up against mm. when I'm in the – and usually, and the skeptics hate this, a lot of times I'm in the top 20 podcasts for science on iTunes. And I'm up against New York Times, up, I'm up against NPR, I'm up against PBS. I mean, these companies have taken notice. So I think that you guys and, and others who have gotten in are smart because I think that it's going to get harder for the independents to make their mark mm-hmm. uh, as this becomes more entrenched. That being said, I think that it's, you know, when I started, Back in my day, when I started, I mean, if you wanted to talk to any substantial amount of people, you had one of two choices. You had to knock on a door and ask somebody's permission and say, hey, could I please get a job with you for minimum wage and start out at the bottom and maybe you'll let me talk on the radio and do that in a succession of jobs and then basically be told what to say. Or, you know, if I would have gone in 2005 to a radio station, local radio station, say, hey, you know, I used to broadcast a little about 15 years ago with his college. I really think I had some potential. You know, they would have laughed at me or they would have said, you know, you're right. I think you've got a certain something. Uh, now we've got this great slot. It's on at seven o'clock on Saturday mornings and it's only $500 a week. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is, is that that's the way it used to be. Uh, it's not that way anymore. And I think it's a great thing. As much as you want to make it. And I think that's where you're filling a niche and it's direct marketing, and I think advertisers are going to start flocking more so to podcasters. It's not as uh, it, it's been scary because the last couple of years there's been some patent troll issues, and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and there are people who just disappeared because they were afraid. Um, but you know, I think a lot of them stuck in there, and uh, now things are getting a little better. And I think advertisers are starting to see the potential in podcasting and you starting to see all the big celebrities are doing their own shows now, you know, right. Shaq and all these other guys. Well, I got to tell you something. Um, a, a couple things I'll tell you is I've been approached by some podcast networks and, uh, and I won't mention any names, but I've just decided, you know, I'm going to remain independent because really they don't, it doesn't bring me any benefit. You know, um, I'm just going to lose control and, and you know, that's why I'm doing this myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. but the other thing I'll say about, the, the the podcast. This was a great example of how powerful podcasting can be. I was listening to a local radio station. They had a they have every week they have comedians in. And they got kind of serious and they were talking about different things. And the guy had a podcast and they were kind of joking, ah, oh, everybody's got a podcast. And he said, Well, you know what? He said, Don't laugh. He said, um, I was in Ireland a month or two ago and some kid walks up on the street to me because he knows my podcast. Mm-hmm. And then he said you know what? I get more traction out of doing being on a good podcast than I do being on the Tonight Show. So it's real and it's just going to get bigger as all of this gets easier to access in terms of smartphones. I mean, smartphones have made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't have to hook up any cables or any crazy stuff and sync and all this stuff you had to do in the old days. And secondly, as it comes built in cars with things like Android audio or uh, Apple and Google's I, getting ready to come out yeah. with their own podcasting. Yeah, yeah, I already submitted my show. Yeah, me, me as well. We uh, did it. Yeah, but and then CarPlay, I think it is Apple's CarPlay. You know, once that's built in, I think right now the two advantages radio has is 
it's everywhere. Like you, I mean, you probably have 10 radios in your house mm-hmm. and I do too, uh, or more. And uh, the second thing is, is that you push a button and it goes on, uh, you know, rather than try, okay, I got to make my Bluetooth work with my car and then I got to squirt, you know, it's got to get a little easier, but I think it's going to get easier and I think it's just going to get bigger and bigger. Absolutely. Well, I can honestly say, like you were talking about the Ireland story, you know, I know with us, we have a pretty high, uh, Twitter presence. And I know for me, at least myself anyway, I'm not speaking for Zach, but for myself, I love to communicate with all of our listeners on Twitter. And it's, it's so nice to hear when someone says, really enjoyed your interview with this person or that person. Oh, yeah. It just really makes you feel good and, and lets you know that, you know, that your listeners appreciate what you do. This is something that I believe podcasting can really do because I, I don't have that degree. You know, I, I've never been on the radio. You know, I've never done that. And when Zach and I decided to start the podcast, like yourself, it was, you know, a, nobody knew what a podcast was. We say, oh, we're going to start a podcast. Well, what is that? You know, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? What do you, right. what do you mean? Are you going to be on educate. the radio? Yeah. Not really on the radio, but. You I know, tell people you know. with radio on demand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's I've done. And you know when I knew podcasting had like crossed some critical boundary? When I turned on Saturday Night Live and I saw them doing a parody on serial. <laughs> uh, and I don't mean Captain Crunch, uh, the podcast series. And uh, when I saw that it had been mainstream enough to make fun of it, I'm like, aha, we've arrived. Exactly. And you have people like Joe Rogan and, and Adam yeah. Carolla that are really just, I mean, they're doing yeah. something fantastic for, for the podcast. Absolutely. They, and they that's really a- are. And I, and, and I said, you know, I think that the, the independents have to be careful, but I also agree with you. There's another side of the coin to that. They're bringing people to podcasting who would never consider it. Exactly. They wouldn't, they, uh, yeah. The Leo Laportes, uh, the, um, as you said, Adam Carolla, Mark Marin, people like that are bringing people like, Oh, well, Adam Carolla has a podcast. I got to see what this is. And then they get into iTunes and they see. Oh, there's all these other shows and I'm interested in the paranormal and I'm interested in classic TV and I'm interested and they kind of go down the wormhole. Exactly. Because, you know, you figure 10 years, five years, whatever, you know, before podcasting or at the beginning, at the infancy of podcasting, you would have never heard Schwarzenegger on a podcast. You know, he had to go to Jimmy Fallon or, you know, or Jay Leno or whatever. Now it's nothing to hear an actual celebrity on a podcast that tells you the direction we're heading i know us personally we had we had fran drescher um a couple of years back and you know for us that was yeah wow. that's a big you know, yes. yeah fran drescher you have the oh, absolutely well i'm gonna tell you that the very first interview we ever did was uh stanton friedman uh-huh. and uh, it was and he was he, he was, was my second by the way yeah really okay <laughs> yeah. So he was just the greatest and he was he's yeah. a great he's a great guy and he's very giving of his time and he's He's not getting any younger. He's up there, and that guy has an amazing travel schedule. And uh, we did an interview with him, and we did one uh, actually about a month or so ago, I believe, with him as yeah, well. Yeah, I listened again. to a little bit of that. Yeah. yeah, I listened to the one you did with on yours, and I was like, oh man, our podcast sounds so amateurish compared to his. <laughs> oh my! Well, I but, could tell you though, the one that I did was back in two thousand five, and my I sounded like I was coming from a tin can i mean the first i've done i've interviewed him a couple times but mm-hmm. you know i listened to those first shows i did and my ears bleed you know yeah, yeah. we do the same thing but, right? but i but it's an evolution you know and i think uh w- you guys and, and me too were lucky that we started at a time when maybe people's expectations weren't so high mm-hmm. i think now in terms of audio and things uh, people aren't gonna stand for substandard audio and substandard sound that they turn on a show and it sounds like crap they're not going to bother because they expect, I think the people that go in now to, to iTunes and the podcast app and they see things, they expect professional quality. And if it's not, they'll turn it right off. Agreed. Absolutely. Uh, we've taken up a lot of your time here and we appreciate it. And I want to give you the chance to, one more time here to tell everybody where they can find you, uh, your website and Twitter or, you know, whatnot. What do you have? So yeah, I'd be glad to. And I'm sorry we got off on a tangent there, kind of got away from the paranormal. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I, trust me. I mean, this is a pot, this is an interview about your paranormal podcast, but among other things, just you in general and how you got started. And, and I, I believe me, I think anybody here is going to be fascinated. And that's what we try to do. We try to interview people and we try to get a little bit more out of them than just the normal, Hey, how did you get into podcasting or why do you only do paranormal? And we just want everybody to get just a little bit more 
out of our interviews if we can try to get that. And some people are a little cool. more comfortable with it. Some aren't. But you've been very giving of your time, and we appreciate that. So we cool. want to give you a chance to be able to tell people how we, you know, they can find you. So go well, ahead. real, real quick, Jim. I mean, yes. I mean, if you don't mind, no. like literally within the past few seconds, we had this question that came across Twitter, and it had to do with Ouija boards. Yes. What is your what is your take on Ouija boards? Do you think they're just a they bunch of fluff? They scare the hell out. They scare the hell out. <laughs> I know, right? I know they do. Me too. That's the, I, that's the thing. You know, you it's a it's a box little toy that you know they they've mass produced and there's nothing to it, but yet they scare the hell out of me. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, what I'll say is this: is that um, I think that it's kind of uh, I had a caller on one time. It was telling me this really crazy story about Ouija boards and what happened to him. And he said he was working with some spiritual advisor and the spiritual advisor said, look, spiritually speaking, it's like going into the worst part of town at three o'clock in the morning with your best clothes and jewelry. Mm -hmm. Spiritually speaking, right, you're just right. kind of wa be you're waiting to get spiritually mugged. And in my feeling is, is that, you know, I don't know 100 percent that there's something to it. But if there is, I mean, who knows, you know, when the board says, hey, it's Aunt Millie, who knows that's really Aunt I Millie? I it know. might be some kind of entity that wants to use that as a portal. So, uh, you know, I have guests on like Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who's fantastic. Uh, I've had Karen Dahlman on, who's a big Ouija board person, say, hey, the Ouija board's fine if you know what you're doing and you use it as a tool. But I just think, you know, if you're just fooling around with it, you're, you may be asking for trouble. That's that's my general sense. Yeah, because I have that. And then, of course, like the, you know, the mediums, you know, my wife, she wants to go see the the Long Island medium, you know, and I'm so skeptical on those, on that type of people, you know, you know, well, let, let me, and I don't mean, to should I be, should here. I be? Well, I think you should look at it skeptically. I look at it skeptically, but that doesn't mean to me that they're all fakes. Now, mm -hmm. let me give you a, for instance, oh, what boy. happened to me, uh, happened to my wife, actually. We had a psychic on her name was Carol Obley and she's a very nice lady. In fact, I, should reach out to her again. She hasn't been on for a couple of years. But anyway, uh, what happened was is I took callers just for fun to kind of test her. I took my wife as a caller, but I did not identify her as my wife. So I said, we have Dara on the line from Ohio, and she has a question, and what do you see, and blah, blah, blah. And um, you might hear my dogs barking in the background. We'll see how, we'll see how good my uh, soundproofing is. So anyway, um, she says, well, you know, I see this, you know, the female figure, the usual stuff you hear. And then she says, I see this one young person, young man, very close to you, died very unexpectedly, uh, a very young age. And he wanted you to know that he says hello. And it's like a Rob, Bob, Robert, Bob. And my wife was just freaked out. Her best friend in high school was named Robert, Bob. Oh, boy. Committed suicide. Oh, no. So, I mean, and again, that's not something like, because I know the techniques that, and I wasn't, I'm not suggesting. Sure. Carol uses, right, right, right. But right. I know that they can use cold reading and they mm -hmm. can kind of work and say, I see a female. Is there, is there an older female on your site? You know, if you get somebody <laughs> old and... You know, if you get somebody in your forties, there's going to be an older female that died, exactly. right? You know, so, they can she hit generalizations. Hair? Yeah. yeah, but I mean, that was a dead hit, and there was first of all, she wasn't there, so she couldn't read her face. It was over the phone, and to pick, you know, why didn't she pick Jim or Bill or Steve? You know, and that just blew me away. I'm like, either this woman is a incredibly lucky, or b she really has something. Um, that being said, I think that. Psychics specifically is, it's a very tough thing because, um, there are unfortunately, I think charlatans out there who say, ah, this is a great way to separate people from their money. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've interviewed James von Prague, who was a guy behind Ghost Whisperer. Uh, I've interviewed quite a few, uh, uh, psychics. Uh, I'm still skeptical in general, but I think it's very possible that some people do have gifts. I, I, just had a little bit of a problem with some of it. Only I've watched some of these shows like Penn and Teller have a show where they, I, I won't yep. say the actual name because it's a swear word, but right. it, it, they basically <laughs> tell them how these hucksters go out there and do their thing. And some of these shows where they have people come on and they do those reads of the afterlife and, well, they have people that kind of go around the audience asking general questions of the audience beforehand and they feed them this stuff before. Right. And, right. I think, yeah, I think there's definitely a fraudster 
mm-hmm. aspect to it. And I think there are fraudsters out there. And I actually had a guy, a skeptic on mm-hmm. who talked about much the same thing. I believe his name's Mark Edward. And he was a, he was a quote show. I, I, I think he was like at one point, uh, one of these phone psychics. And then he went into doing it like for entertainment, almost like the pen and Teller thing. And he talked about the techniques that were used. So, yeah, I think it's definitely uh, I don't think there's anything wrong looking into it. But I think have a firm uh, grasp and, and be very careful. And, uh, you know, if, if somebody's asking for exorbitant amounts of money or something like that, obviously that that really doesn't make a lot of sense. It's like have all, you, it's like all oh, the TV sorry, it's like all the TV shows that are out there with the ghost hunting and I yeah. was hook line and sinker every one of them I watched f- uh, from the beginning and then somewhere around the four or fifth, five seasons in they started to lose their luster because you could tell that in the beginning not every episode they didn't hear everything or they didn't see everything and that was fine people were fine with that and then all of a sudden it's like every episode they were hearing something but you never saw anything. Right. Have all these cameras, right. but you never hear or see any of what well, they're seeing. The, the thing is, is that, for example, on my campfire show, some mm-hmm. people say, you know, I gave you that story that I gave you is one of the more dramatic. Right. Mm-hmm. But there's some that are very more subtle, like people hearing a song on the radio or uh, they're not like hit you over the head. And some people say, right. ah, uh, the stories aren't scary enough. And it's like <laughs> the stories are what people experience. And I don't exaggerate them. And when I put them into my books with their permission, I don't, um, I don't change the stories. I may rewrite it slightly to make mm-hmm. it flow and make sense in the written form and correct some of the language, English or whatever, but I don't change the story. You know, I try to pick the best stories, but I'm not going to change what somebody says. And I think the paranormal sometimes is much more, you know, people are used to blood and guts, saw, you know, really sure. kind of gory, uh, frightening, terrifying things. And that's fine for entertainment. But the thing is, is that I think the real paranormal in real life is much more subtle than you see in the movies. I think people have gotten to the point of like, well, in lo- it's not scary enough. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that the real paranormal, as it displays itself, you've got some cases like that gentleman I talked about earlier that are really like the ones that could be a television show or a movie. And then you've got the more normal ones, which is where I hear from my people Something's like, wow, that's pretty cool, but it's not like uh, fall off your chair, but it does yeah. make you think. It does make you think. And that's the scary part about even with the technology, it makes it easier to fake a lot of this stuff as well. And that's the well, that's a, that's yeah. a good point. Yeah. I mean, so. I've done a video podcast in the, the past, which are probably going to revive called the Paranormal Report. I do that with Micah Hanks. Mm-hmm. And um, we used to do a lot of UFO videos and stuff and ghost videos, but now that stuff can so easily be faked. That they're almost not worth looking at. Yeah, you have to be an expert in video technology to be able to see if it's been modified and right. Uh, that's a shame too, because I that's one of my favorite subjects between the afterlife and UFOs is probably the the top two for me, which is why it was such a treat to interview Stanton Freeman. Um, right. And I have my own theories, of course, but it's just a shame. And, and it's like the the ghost shows and the and I've even seen some people leave and they said you know they were being pressured to go back and film things that weren't there because mm. the ratings aren't high enough or, you know, I, and that's, the, that's the part that kind of drags it down for me. And which is why I steer more towards now the podcast, because I just like listening and then seeing it in my head instead of watching something. Yeah. I, I think that the podcast is not only mine, there are other good paranormal podcasts out there, but I think they're more for people that want to take a deep dive. You know, if you want to sit down for a half hour and be uh, spooked a little bit and watch one of the ghost hunting shows, that's fine. But I think it's really for the people that want to take it to the next level and find out some information and learn some stuff. And theory, the way I look at it, when I bring somebody on, me bringing them on is not necessarily me saying, yep, they got it figured out. (laughs) But I want to hear as many different theories as I can. Some of them are very plausible to me. Some of them are out there. I had a gentleman, he's been on the show twice by the name of Nigel Kerner, uh, and he has a couple of wild theories. One of them is that aliens are non-biological and they are somehow trying to uh, steal our souls. Uh, the har- It's actually called Gray Aliens and the Harvesting of Souls. And then now he's working on a project, and I don't know where he is with it now. He actually thinks that the human race has been 
seeded, if if I remember correctly, I don't want to misquote, uh, the technology we have in large part has been seeded by aliens to keep our eye off the ball and to distract us from their nefarious uh, nefarious uh, plannings. Now, again, I, I that's Sounds a little like we out live. there for me. They, yeah, I mean, yeah. I had a conversation with they someone live. the other day who was talking religion and told me that he thought that Jesus was actually an alien. I mean, we well, just I've went. Heard that kind of thing. It went everywhere. I mean, yeah. it truly went everywhere. So, I that, I had never heard that one before. Have so. you? I, I guess. I mean, we've had you on for a while, and I don't want to take up any more of your time. But I do have one other question now, since you've got sure. me thinking about it. Have sure. you ever had anybody come on the podcast where you're you felt like this just isn't doing it for me? I. I, I'm sorry, I can't do this. This isn't cutting it for me. Have you ever had anybody on? And you don't have to mention any names, obviously, but right. you, it, it just didn't seem to meet your criteria. I maybe I've had one or two I haven't aired, but that's about it. Mm, okay. Because I'm very much the show's not about me, mm-hmm. uh, unless I thought somebody was trying to rip somebody off or in some way be nefarious, or if I knew that I was talking to a uh, like a, you mentioned psychics who were out there trying to scam people. Sure. I wouldn't hear something like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of theories, I, you know, a, a big thing that I get on the show, uh, I'm one of my plus club. I have a show called the other side and that's a lot of metaphysical stuff. And it gets into a lot of the more, which is not as much my cup of tea, but I know a lot of people like it and there are a lot of people have books out about it. So that's part of my plus club and it's kind of new agey. Some of the people and a lot of these people are the kind of people who say, Oh, well, there's no evil out there. That uh, there's just uh, less evolved levels of uh, of spiritual development, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, so you're telling me that Hitler is was at a lower <laughs> at a lower <laughs> level of spiritual development personally, and I guess I'm kind of old school black and white guy um, in terms of not seeing things as much in shades of gray, but but I tend to think that there's good and I tend to think that there's evil, um, but that just because I feel that way. Doesn't mean I shouldn't have somebody on the, the show who who puts forward their theory. Doesn't mean I agree with it. That's up to the listener oh, to decide. Yeah, so, I agree. I agree. So I, I pretty much kind of I look at myself as, you know, I think sometimes people think I'm more of a participant. I look at myself as like, uh, if you remember, uh, uh, well, I'd like to think of myself as the Charlie Rose of the paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, or the, or the Larry King of the paranormal, uh, that kind of thing. I'm just bringing people forward to get their information out. Then you, the audience decide. Okay. Well, you know, it was funny because, you know, you had told a little story and Zach had told a story about his father, um, earlier in the show. And this kind of brings me to the last question that I had for you, but there's a little bit of backstory to it. So the other, about two months ago, I'm laying on my bed and I'm talking to, uh, my grandmother on the phone, my grandmother, um, recently has passed away. Um, but you know, she had cancer and I was talking with her one day and my dog came in the room and into my bathroom. Uh, he jumps up, puts his paws up on the toilet and starts barking like crazy at this old fishing lure of my grandfather's. Uh, he had gave it to me before he passed away. <laughs> okay. Now here's what was crazy. Now listen to this. You know, it's not, there's no, air in there there's no nothing i mean to the point to where that it could blow okay it never blows at any point ever you know it never moves never nothing i go into the bathroom because i'm on my cordless phone with talking to my grandma i walk in this thing is swinging back and forth i'm not making this i mean totally swinging back and forth my dog is going bananas at this fishing lure i mean going crazy over it and I get this weird feeling, you know, I don't know if it was just because that it was just an eerie thing, but I kind of got like these goosebumps all over me, you know, and just as it started, it started slowing itself down and it eventually just stopped. My dog jumped up on the bed, laid down with me and it was over. I, it was the strangest thing I'd ever went through. So the question that I have is, do you, do you think that pets kind of have that, Absolutely. you know, that, that sensation? Absolutely. What, I think, I think it's similar to small children. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've had people say, hey, my child saw this, was talking to what I thought was an imaginary friend, and then we found out the place was haunted. Um, I think that's very much true. I mean, I think animals are very perceptive and probably can see things that we can't see because they don't know they're not supposed to see them. Right, right. 
And and it's interesting. Your story is it's more of a subtle thing, right? I mean, it's not yeah, like yeah, absolutely your, your grandfather didn't appear in a full body apparition. No, that's no. what sometimes people expect. That but is I something think, I've never seen. I've never right, seen and, that. And me ever. neither. But the that's thing the is, Holy is Grail, I, right? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. That would but, be amazing. Yeah. But I think I think that that's how a lot of times the paranormal manifests itself in subtle ways like that. In and sometimes that's not enough for people. But I think that's really the way it happens. Have you had yourself had an experience? I've had, um, you know, I've been in, uh, in some of this is in my books. I've been in a place like just minutes from what would have been a shore death and something told me to get away from where he's at. And like, well, I was, this is one of my favorite stories and it's not really paranormal, I guess, but maybe it is. Um, I was, I was, um, on vacation and I was walking with this young, nice young lady and (laughs) we were getting to know each other. I was in my teens. And we were in a, this was in a rural area and we were walking past one of those huge log trucks, the ones with the big chains on them. You know, you get behind them in a, on a, on a road, it's a real pain, a logging truck. And there was a huge amount of logs. And when we came to it, she went on the left side, I went on the right side. And as I was walking past it, something said, you know, you need to get away from this truck. So we walked on past it. We walked for about 50 feet. And then we heard a big rumble from behind. I looked back. Almost all the logs on that truck had fallen off. A chain had broken. And they all fell where I was walking mere moments ago when something told me to get away from it. Now, the skeptic would say, maybe subconsciously somehow I heard a chain, the stress of a chain breaking. And something told me to get away. Maybe it was a garden guardian angel. I don't know. Uh, Your last podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, I that's the, yeah that's that that's you know that's um that's a possibility there was one time my brother died when he was uh pretty young in his 20s and um he was autistic and he loved all kinds of music he loved everything from rock and roll to classic country to soul he loved soul train if you remember that the soul of train course with don cornelius of course love it and then uh but he also loved of all people, if anybody remembers, Lawrence Well. Oh, yeah. So anyway, I was coming back from his funeral with my wife. This was 1999. We'd only been married a couple of years. Uh, I'm not that old. But anyway, we're coming back from his funeral. We're going through the channels, and we came to one of these, what they used to call music of your life stations. They barely have them now. But it was like Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Nat King Cole. I always enjoy that kind of music sometimes as a change of pace. So I put it on, and I heard this instrumental. And this is when you're in those rural areas where you get a station for 10 minutes and then it fades out, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, I tuned it in. I heard that instrumental. I'm like, man, that is, that is really familiar. And you have to remember, Lawrence Welk was my, my brother's absolute favorite. Absolute favorite. He would watch the reruns on PBS because it was on syndication when we were a little kid. We're, we're that old. So anyway, um, the DJ comes on the back announce. He says, of course, that was the big 1960 hit Calcutta. From Lawrence Welk. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Now, to me, what were the chances? Now, it'd be different if it was a popular song. Like right, a, right. A Michael Jackson song at the time. <laughs> or something like that. Or, you know. Uh, yeah, that was a pretty Street deep cut right there. Yeah, yeah. That was a very, that's the best way I've ever heard explained. That's extremely, extremely deep cut. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I had to be at that geographical area. I had to be able to get reception they happen to be playing at the same time. Now, I don't know how the forces of the universe could make that happen. But I looked at my wife and she looked at me because she knew the significance of it. She said, that's your brother telling you he's okay. And I'm like, you know what? I think it is. Wow. I mean, I'm sure there are a billion more stories out there. Look, Statement Show family, thestatementshow.com. Make sure you drop us a line if you have any stories like that. Jim. Please remind everyone how everybody can get in touch with you and maybe drop you a line and, and tell you some good stories like this for your maybe for another book. Absolutely. Well, you can find my free podcasts over at jimherald.com. You have the interview show, the paranormal podcast, where I interview people like Stanton Friedman and experts on the paranormal. Put that out every week. And then we also have the campfire, which are just stories like we've been telling tonight, personal experiences from people all around the world and uh, I think we'll do episode 250 next week. Uh, so that's been going for a while. 
and uh, really uh, enjoy that. And I think that your listeners will enjoy it. And if they want to share their story, they can go to jimherald.com slash campfire. And then if they want to read some uh, ghost stories, uh, they can go over to Amazon or jimheraldbooks.com. And there are actually uh, four books out, uh, one, two, three, and four. Each one has 70 stories in it. So we're talking about a full-size book here. Get them on the Kindle for as low as $2.99. And periodically, I'll even put one of those on 99-cent sale. So so look for that. You can also get in paperback. And there's even an electronic box set with three books in one uh, for a low price. And that's over at Amazon.com. Or you can find the links directly at JimHeraldBooks.com. We will throw that link up on our website, thestatementshow.com, so that anybody wants to go and uh, listen to the podcast or leave a note or wants to buy one of Jim's books, they'll just go to our site, go right to your site, and go ahead and, and buy away. I mean, there's there's uh, four ghost stories on there, four books right four now. Four books, each one, yeah, four books. Each one has 70 stories in it, but they average wow. about 250 pages each. So uh, there's a lot of ghost stories to read, and they're nice and Usually they're two or three pages. Sometimes there's longer ones, but they're they're quick reads. And I have had people say that they are a good bathroom reader. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm actually, wanna, I think I'm going to start with number one. I think I'm going to buy one myself tonight. They sound it, fantastic. You're right. Oh, thank you. And and, and I and the other thing is, uh, you know, some people like to read them before they go to bed, but that depends on do you have like spooky dreams. <laughs> leave that up to you. Well, I'll leave you with this. If anything, fantastic podcast um i was glad you yep. came on and and i'm definitely going to check out uh one of your books here and if anybody wants to get a hold of mr harold go to his website at jimherald.com and jim i really do appreciate you coming on Absolutely. it's been a lot of fun i hope we can do it again i agree man you've been fantastic thank you so much and we wish you nothing but the best thank you guys everybody that was jim harold man I don't know about you, Zach, but I think I could have had about another three-hour conversation just just talking with him about, you know, whatever. I mean, those stories were the greatest. He's – wow. Wide-eyed. I mean, I, I just felt like – it's kind of like uh, – listening to one of his shows is kind of like think, – think back to the 40s, the 50s when they really didn't – maybe when they didn't have TV and they just had a big radio in the living room and they'd go up and turn the radio on and just – you know, sit there or lay down on the floor and just listen to things and visualize. <laughs> that right. is kind of to me what listening to his podcast is. Mm-hmm. And I, I almost feel like it's my private little thing. I listen to his show and that's like, it feels it, when you listen to it, you're like, this is my thing. And, uh, right. now it's like, I, I feel like it's fantastic. I get to share yeah. this with other people. Yeah. He was a good guy. I mean, like I say, I think that, you know, I, I don't know about you, but, we kept talking and talking and talking and I had like maybe five or ten more other questions that I wanted to talk to him about. And yeah. I looked down and we're at an hour and I'm like, I can't keep the guy on the phone for another hour. <laughs> I know I could have. Oh, well, I could have. I mean, but at some point he's going to like, uh, gentlemen, that's, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm hanging yeah. up now. Yeah. You guys you know? got to go away now. Yeah. I, I'm done. <laughs> so, you know, and that's, that's, that's the kind of shows I like. I mean, absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, when you can look down and, barely even know you were talking with someone for an hour mm-hmm. that tells you right there how great the conversations really are he, he was a good guy exactly so again jimherald.com now i noticed he's got a premium plus club and i know he said you don't have to go there right away but i'm telling you you have to go there right away i'm considering this too because i want to go back and look in his archives and it's jim it, it looks like it's jim herald uh plus club is is uh let's see here it's jimherald.net so you can sign okay. up for a plus club and he's got archives you can list to that has over a thousand fifty seven exclusive archive po- podcasts on there four campfire uh storybooks on amazon so we're gonna put a link to uh, mr jim herald's website on our website at thestatementshow.com and click on the little podcast uh I'm telling you, you don't know what you're missing if you're not listening to this podcast. Absolutely, I agree. And and you know what? I mean, we're obviously going to throw it on Twitter. We're going to we'll have it up on iTunes, all that kind of good stuff. But just really quickly, guys, uh, you know, it has been fantastic speaking with everyone on Twitter. Um, you know, your questions, your comments, telling us how Zach and I are doing such a great job, and you loved our our, our recent interviews and our past interviews. We hope you love this interview with with Jim Harold fantastic guests make sure you listen to all our past interviews like us on facebook all send us tweets all the kind of that good stuff and definitely keep your emails rolling 
Thanks, guys. Yeah, definitely. Remember, Twitter, it's at Statement Show. We're on iTunes, The Statement. And, of course, you can get us on YouTube if Terry ever gets around to updating it. Shut up, Pat. <laughs> www.thestatementshow.com. And if you want to help support the show, go to audibletrial.com forward slash the statement and pick from 180,000 audiobooks and keep it for free. Cancel anytime. Again, thestatementshow.com. Mr. Jim Harrow, we thank you very much. And the lights are out. See ya. Even if you've been moderately successful in podcasting, that means almost nobody's heard of you.